Hello and welcome everyone to the July 8th Friday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is our second episode, so if you listened to our first one, thanks for listening. If you haven't, if you want all those Evan Turner takes, the best Evan Turner takes, uh, where we went through how he fits, how some people around the league saw that move play out, check out our episode from July 7th. That was the introduction, and you know, thanks again to the Locked On Network for, for having me on the team. Uh, we've got 17 NBA podcasts, and it, it's, hap- it's, it's great to be a part of a, you know, a big team that hopefully will just continue to grow and improve. And uh, we talked about Turner's fit and how he helps, how he might hurt them, uh, you know, with the fact that he kind of has a lot of overlapping skills, but he does have a lot of skills that the Blazers also needed. But today is July 8th, it's Friday, and we're going to turn our attention to the signing of Festus Azili, formerly of the Golden State Warriors, and also touch on the Brooklyn Nets offer sheet to Blazers restricted free agent Alan Crabb. We're going to talk first about the guy we know is going to be on the Blazers, uh, because we don't necessarily know if Crabb is going to be back. The Vertical reported that he was offered a four-year, $75 million deal, and that's just his base pay. With incentives, he can get up to $83 million. Now, if you recall, Evan Turner's signing was four years, 70, and that, that might cause some problems. But let's turn to Azili, who, you know, kind of, the signing of Azili really salvaged the reputation of at least in my opinion, it, it seemed more Neil Olshay-like than the four-year, $70 million deal for Evan Turner. Um, we know he's going to be on the team next year. The Blazers finally have a real rim protector, and vintage Olshay is back. Uh, I tweeted that last night when it happened that, oh my god, it's it's Neil Olshay music, because the the Evan Turner deal was literally the anti-Olshay. As, as much as he wants to sell it, it just was not like him. It was not... and. It just wasn't like the Aminu deal last year or the Davis deal, which we both referenced on the last podcast. It just it just didn't seem like Olshay. And so the the Azili deal is a two-year deal worth about $15 million, according to Mark Spears of The Undefeated. And Spears also reported that the second year of that deal is a team option. So Olshay, after waiting... You know, and all the centers that a lot of people had pegged to the Blazers, and there were reports that the Blazers wanted to get Chandler Parsons and Dwight Howard, and that was from Jason Quick earlier in free agency. They, after those things didn't happen, the the center market was pretty bare. I mean, Biombo went off the market pretty quickly. Uh, Jan Mahinmi went off the market pretty quickly, and Olshay you know, doing his job to, you know, say that the Blazers didn't necessarily target any of those guys, that they didn't have them on their board, yet they go after a center with bad knees, and they're able to get him on a deal. And and that's exactly what the Blazers really needed to do, I think, after they lost out on their big prize, especially Parsons, and then they went to still, you know, 
fill more of their cap space with Evan Turner. I thought that they were just going to, you know, run it back, keep their free agents and, and just try again next year. But they were able to sign Azili without having to renounce any of their restricted free agents. And there's a team option. So the Blazers, if one of their other centers emerges, improves, you know, someone steps into the fold there over the course of the year, the Blazers can decline Azili's option. So there's a lot of flexibility here with the Blazers, which is what Olshay always likes to maintain, not just for free agency, but for trades. And, you know, there's going to be some decisions here uh, th- that the Blazers are going to have to make. Uh, the Nets offered Alan Crabb a huge deal. They have three days to match it. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But Azili really is huge. I mean, if he can be healthy... You're talking about a guy who, according to Nylon Calculus, which is, you know, the guys who sort all the sport view, all those tracking things, but they they sort it in a way that is more accurate and gives what is supposed to be a more accurate depiction of rim protection numbers. Azili was one of the best in the league last year in limited minutes. Players attacking Azili at the rim shot 44% which is way, way better than any of Portland's big men last year. Uh, offensively, they're going to have to do some different things because if Azili slots into the starting lineup, which nobody has said yet, and, and Terry Stotts has not committed to, uh, Mason Plumley was an excellent, especially offensively, and a pretty solid rebounder as well. But, you know, he, he gambled a lot. He left the paint open far too often, and... Uh, you know, that's, that's not what you need when you have CJ and Damien and, you know, other guys that, you know, that are maybe a little undersized at times and they needed a guy that could protect the rim, erase mistakes. The biggest question is, are his knees okay? He said today at the introductory press conference that his knees are fine, that they've been checked out, that they're okay, but you never know. And, and why did his market you know, obviously there were a lot of centers off the board teams that filled their cap space, but you do have to ask how how did his market get so depressed to the point that he's making half of what Timofey Mozgov makes in a year and has a team option for next year? That Those are things that they're going to have to answer, but Portland bought at such a low price that it's worth the bargain. It's worth the gamble. So, this was vintage Olshay here uh, after the opposite of a vintage Olshay move earlier in free agency. Uh, Terry Stott said today he projects that Azili would play more like Robin Lopez did when he was with the Blazers, uh, who is now with the Chicago Bulls, signed to the signed with the Knicks last offseason and was traded for Derrick Rose. And what he means by that is basically a guy that's going to set screen and rolls. He'll get the occasional dump down into the post to make sure that he feels engaged because one of the things that you always have to do with big men, it's it's not a cliche. It's not uh, it's it's not lip service. You got to give the big man the ball. The he what incentive is he going to have to defend if he doesn't touch the ball? I mean that's that's just how it is uh, with big men. So I'm sure they're going to make Azili feel good, especially early on in games. That's kind of what he did with Robin Lopez, who would get a lot of post touches, lots of things, lots of seals, lots of passes on the pick and roll, and his ability to roll to the rim. Uh, 
although he wasn't, you know, a great finisher by any stretch of the imagination last year, the, the ability that he has to roll to the rim, get there, if the Blazers creators can can find ways to get him the ball uh, in, in positions to score, that would be a huge help. Uh, Mason Plumlee often found himself in positions to score. His finishing was okay. It was not very, it was pretty bad in the playoffs, but he did a much better job of it in the regular season. And, you know, Azili's not the playmaker that Plumlee is, but Plumlee isn't the rim protector that Azili is. And Azili can really protect the rim, really erase mistakes. He has shown the ability to do that in Golden State when he's healthy. The health is the biggest question. And if you can get him healthy, if he can suit up for most of the games, and you're looking at either, you know, if the Blazers match Crab with Crab, Aminu, and Azili, or Turner, Aminu, and Azili... You've got a pretty good defensive front court there behind Damian and CJ, and you know you're looking at a team that probably fits together. Now, uh, the Turner move makes a little bit more sense now that Azili is here because if you're gonna take, which they haven't said, but you have to imagine that you know Azili is gonna start, especially with their needs defensively. If you take Plumlee out of the lineup, you lose that playmaking. Then it makes more sense to start Evan Turner. You just have to hope that Aminu can continue shooting the way he did because teams are going to be able to mostly not guard Turner. And if teams are still going to go with the the, the the not guarding of Aminu, which, you know, in the playoffs, which is what a lot of teams did, and the Blazers survived it and survived it during the regular season too, they're going to need Aminu to keep on knocking down shots if, th- if this is going to work. And... Uh, you know, he really improved his three-point shooting. I think that that's, that's great. And But Aminu playing the four brings, you know, another question to the table. Because now that if Aminu is the, is the four, which has been, the, I think, the most interesting thing that the Blazers brass has said over the last couple of days when addressing free agency and the roster and how things are going... You're going to have a major logjam in the front court. Let's just look at it right now. What do you do with Mason Plumley? Does he becomes your backup center? Okay, well that's great. But then what happens to Myers Leonard, who at 71 uh and pretty hefty guy, pretty muscular, not the fastest guy who Terry Stotts had switch on to centers after trying to play him at power forward for a lot of the year? What do you do with him? How does he fit on the court if Plumlee is playing center? Is there playing time? And what does it mean for Ed Davis? Ed Davis roamed the roamed the paint, was an excellent offensive rebounder, and I think one of the things that a lot of people may not know about Davis is that he was a major locker room presence for this team. He gave them, you know, a much needed dose of attitude, a little bit of swagger. I know Damian and CJ are both very confident, but when you when you have guards that are confident, it's a little bit different than having a big man that has that swagger. He played for the Grizzlies, has a little, you know, played in the he was in the Memphis team for the playoffs. He just had a little bit of attitude about it before the Clippers series. He was talking smack. You know, th- th- these are things that it may sound trivial, but it, it really does matter. Like it, it, he's part of the fabric of the team. And if he's not seeing the court, what do you do then? And so the, and, and Ed Davis was also flexible enough last year to guard power forwards when Stotts decided that Myers Leonard shouldn't be guarding power forwards and they had him guarding centers. So you have a guy that's such a, you know, a team guy, and I'm sure he will continue to be that, but 
there's going to be an odd man out there, uh, there it, with the big men. And that doesn't even include Noah Vonley, who, you know, probably be in this style of play with Aminu at four projects to be a small ball five. So where do you find time for these guys? I mean, the Blazers espouse culture and, and it's not total lip service. Like I said, when they struggled last year, they did a really good job of keeping their heads up and not getting discouraged when they were, you know, they were way under 500 and, uh, you know, looking down the barrel at the lottery, they really rebounded. And, and, and that was because they were a positive, they had a positive attitude, but guys that all these guys are starting to get older now, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to, you know, gladly swallow sitting on the bench and logic on the, on the roster side, it makes you think that they're going to have to they might have to do a little movement here with with their big guys because they just have too many. If they re-sign Myers, uh, even if it's for the qualifying offer, you have he and Plumley as expiring deals heading into next summer and potentially Azili as well. Uh, and th there are just a lot of questions here as to who's going to be on the team, in my opinion, because there's only so many guys that you can have, uh, especially guys that are, you know, they're a little bit older, but they're also almost all of them in their prime. You look at a guy like Ed Davis, he's in his prime still. Uh, and you, you, you look at all these guys and none of these guys are going to be happy to sit off the bench. I'm sorry. I mean, I guess it's Vonley just by process of elimination. He turns 21 in August. He's shown flashes of things he can do, but he really, you know, hasn't shown, you know, enough on the court to really justify playing him, over Plumley or or Davis or even Leonard when healthy, and I, I know that last year he played over Leonard, and that honestly I think that was the best move because the Blazers needed some offense on the second unit. Myers did that. the The on off splits with Myers and Ed Davis on the floor together worked really well together. So you could see the logic from there. But now you've got Azili. Now you've got. Aminu basically playing full-time power forward, which is what the Blazers are alluding to. There is a logjam here, and there is a there are questions that they're going to have to answer. And I, I don't know who's going to be in the market for these guys, but there's there's going to be an odd man out here, and I don't know who it is. They've got flexibility, and it's great, but they there's an odd man out in Portland right now with the big man, and that's just a question that they're going to have to settle. And no matter what someone's going to be unhappy. And, and, and as, as great as the culture is, as team first as everybody is, it, these guys are still competitive. It's still going to get to them. And, you know, they'll, they'll take, I'm sure they'll take it on the chin, but it, it, it's going to be tough. And, but that's, you know, it's a good problem to have for Terry Stotts and Neil Olshea. Uh, that, that's a better problem to have than having no talent at all. So it's not really that big of an issue. Now, um, if a crab comes back, this team is going to be incredibly deep. Uh, and if Harkless comes back, even more so. And you're going to have two guys that are going to be able to play, f well, three if you count Turner. If Harkless comes back, lots of guys that can play three and four where you can basically play small ball the entire time. Uh, the question is whether you want those guys to do that and, and whether you know, you want to get those guys playing time or, you know, maybe play a more of a traditional way at during stretches when Aminu's not off the court, on the court, whether it's Leonard and Davis or Plumley and Leonard, there are going to be some questions there. And, and, and Plumley is very mobile. He's, he's, I think what you would call a mobile big. I don't necessarily know if he's a power forward. I guess him and Davis 
are, are kind of similar in that way, although Plumlee's ability to create offensively is, is huge. And Azili is pretty decent at finishing. His screens are good, but he doesn't really have that many great offensive skills. And I, I, I'm i just not sure how the whole center position is going to work here. But like I said, it's a good problem to have. And at a bargain price for Azili, they're in good shape to bring back all their free agents. And it's something that they had to do, especially at that price. So props to Olshea for being able to negotiate that deal, for getting him at a very good price and, and being vintage Neil Olshea again. But... Despite that, and despite the fact that they were able to bring him back without having to renounce any of their free agents, the Blazers still look like they're going to be a luxury tax team, uh, almost certainly. And if they bring back Crab, that that's almost certainly true. So uh, that that even more so. So the eighty-three million could be prohibitive for them to match. We'll see. I think he's incredibly talented. They're going to be playing a lot to one of these guys, whether it's Turner or. Crab to be a sixth man, and you have to wonder whether that's worth it. But it seems evident that the Blazers are willing to go into the tax that that financials aren't the biggest issue right now for for Paul Allen, and I, I it's they are deeper. They've gotten better. There's no question about that. Um, but how the minutes get juggled, how things go once the season gets started with rotations you know the the Blazers had you know kind of abnormal rotations from time to time uh they they would switch it up some guys would finish the fourth quarter one game some guys wouldn't the next but th- there's going to be a lot more of those guys this year especially around with the big men if, if you have a menu at four for the whole time and and Leonard is healthy for the whole year, and Bonley is healthy, and Plumlee is healthy, and Davis is healthy. There's going to be some potentially some issues there, and you have to wonder whether whether Olshay uh, is is looking hard at moving some of those guys that you know, basically the ones that aren't free agents, because those guys can't be moved until uh, December fifteenth. And if the Blazers bring back Crab, they can't move him until next July, because if you match on a restricted free agent you have to wait a year from the day that you matched the offer sheet to trade him. So that is another element to the crab deal is that the Blazers, should they find a willing trade partner, if someone becomes available that they think they should give up crab for, then they have to wait until next summer to actually execute that deal if they want to include crab. Uh, so th- that's just another layer to, to this. And Stotts is... Again, this is a great problem to have. Uh, Terry Stotts was very flexible last year. He showed that he can really tinker, and he he's really smart when it comes to playing matchups and and getting guys with the right guys next to each other. Uh, you know, he was doing a little bit of everything depending on who they played, and and, and he's great at this. So I don't doubt that the Blazers will be able to make it work on the court. I just do wonder uh, how you know, guys individually will be happy with that. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's a sacrifice, but, you know, that's the game. And if the Blazers can get all of these guys to buy in, which, you know, they mostly have for the last few years, uh, then it should work out great. But there is a lot of excess here, especially with the big men, now that you have to look at Aminu as the four, and then they just brought in Festus Azili, who does 
have great rim protection numbers and will help them defensively if healthy, but that's the biggest question. Uh, and offensively, I am interested to see how it works because, you know, Plumley was very valuable last year as a playmaker and Leonard's shooting at center is also extremely valuable. So you have to wonder, does Azili play more than 20 to 25 minutes? It could be uh, not that much different from how the Warriors used Andrew Bogut uh, with playing him 20 to 25 minutes and then kind of mixing other big guys in throughout the game. He doesn't necessarily finish the game, but he'll start both halves. He'll give you good minutes, good rim protection when you need it. The Blazers just got have to find, you know, uh, uh, something else to add to that because I'm not sure that Azili, especially with his injury history, can take starters minutes at over uh, at around 30 minutes a game. I just don't know if he's built for that. And if you get him from 20, 25 minutes, then I think that that works great. But you know, what do you do with the other 24 to 23 minutes, 28 minutes, whatever? Uh, what what do you do with that? Uh, you know, because there's Plumley, then you have the shooting with Leonard, you've got the offensive rebounding in Ed Davis. And then you have Vonley, who is a young guy who has shown a lot of potential. And, you know, as much as people want to say that guys will improve, guys guys need playing time to improve. But the Blazers, at the same time, are not going to be in the same position next year as they were last year, which was clearly a development year. Uh, Terry uh, Neil Olshay is already putting out the number that they're going to get uh, that they should get over 50 wins, although uh, they, they it, O'Shea walked that back today, uh, which, you know, was the right thing to do because that's not, not really the fairest thing to do to Terry Stotts. Uh, and th- the expectations are high, which is why I, I, I of all the guys on the court or on the front court right now that I don't see, you know, seeing the court that much, it, it's Vonley right now. And, and and that makes sense. We we didn't see them that much in the in the playoffs, but... If you look at the potential of all the guys on the on, on the front court, Vonley has the potential to be a, a small ball five. His his ball handling, you know, which got people on the Blazers staff have said is second only to CJ McCollum's ball handling. So you look at all those factors and and the Azili thing, it's a good problem to have. He's an upgrade. I think the Blazers roster got better. It also got more complicated. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see. Uh, to make room for Azili, the Blazers had to waive Cliff Alexander, uh, who was on the team last year on a minimum deal. And Alexander may be back on the Summer League team after he clears waivers, if he clears waivers. Uh, and the Blazers start Summer League uh, Saturday, which is tomorrow, uh, as I record this. And Shabazz Napier is going to be in Summer League with the Blazers. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have some Summer League stuff coming for you. But the Blazers signed Festus Azili. They have two more days to match on the big offer sheet from Allen, or to Allen Crabb from the Brooklyn Nets, uh, which, you know, for the Nets, that would be an, an exceptional addition. You add him to Jeremy Lin, and you, you, you see that team with Brooke Lopez and... You can see that you know Brooklyn, you know they may they may suck and all their picks may be with Boston, but Alan Crabb going there that could be a, a great opportunity for him, and the Blazers really have an opportunity to match here and be a, a very deep team. Uh, depth comes with its own problems, but like I said, uh, depth is a good problem to have. And after you know a, a puzzling start to the off season, the Blazers off season starts to make a little bit more sense. 
Uh, but we're going to wait here and wait and see how the uh, Myers-Leonard contract plays out, how the Mo Harkless contract plays out. Uh, Jason Quick floated that the Blazers and Myers have talked about maybe taking a one-year qualifying offer, which is what Greg Monroe did basically to get out of Detroit uh, a couple summers ago. So uh, all this is very interesting. Almost all their centers are in contract years. Azili, Myers, if he takes the qualifying offer, and Mason Plumley. So uh, the Blazers... Free agent signings look like they're pretty much over, except for the restricted guys. But I think their their roster situation just got more interesting with the addition of Festus Azili. So you can find us on Audio Boom right now. We have RSS feeds. We are going to be on iTunes very soon, I'm told. Uh, the process takes a couple of days, but when we get over there, we want you to subscribe, leave us a five star review, uh, and Come back tomorrow where we're going to talk about Shabazz Napier, maybe a little Jake Lehman. The Blazers are going to play a summer league game tomorrow against the Phoenix Suns at 1 p.m. Uh, so we're going to take a look at how the the guys on the roster, like Patty Connaughton, have, comp- have improved. Uh, Luis Montero, another guy that a lot of guys on the team talked about as a guy that made a lot of improvements over the course of the season. So, yeah, we're going to have more for you tomorrow. Summer league is coming up. So... Please stay tuned, keep listening to Locked On Blazers, check Audio Boom, and we'll let you know when the iTunes feed comes out. And thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.